Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Anybody who tells you money is the root of all evil doesn't fucking have any. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I am here as always with my good friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Is, is it as cool as what I'm drinking? Okay, so you said you had something really cool, so I'm not... I do. I, I'm, I'm now I'm like a little worried, but I have Punkless Dunkel. It's a pumpkin wheat ale, uh, 8.8%. And Ooh. I actually didn't get to test it yet because we were just jumped on, but that sounds pretty good. It is. It is very good. So <laughs> I just got back from my vacation that I that I very sorely needed. Mm. How much and, vacationing uh, did you actually do though? I did a lot actually. I will have you know I did not work for the first four or five days. I got to San Diego Saturday. I don't even know if I believe that. No, I'm not even joking. I got to San Diego Saturday. I didn't do anything until Thursday. Okay. Thursday, I started doing some emails. I think I've learned about myself that I only need about three days to recharge and relax. But yeah. I convinced myself I need a full week of sun and beaches. And I, it was pretty good. Uh, but I went to a restaurant with my friend Sean, and we did like a bunch of beer flights. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they had this chocolate peanut butter stout. Ooh. Which was a, like one of the most amazing things I've ever tasted, and I can't find it in Iowa, but it got me back into stouts, and now I'm drinking uh, Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Stout. It's eleven percent, dude. Was now, like, I am je- I'm like jealous. Real fancy. Oh, like, this is like the first. This is like the first uh, bottle that comes in a, like a twelve ounce bottle that I've seen that's like this high percentage. Because usually the high percentage alcohols are like in bomber. Yeah. Bottles, oh, they? yeah. I haven't been able to get anything like sufficiently fancy um, yeah. in a small bottle over here. It's it's fancy enough that they have listed the food pairings on the back. Oh, so red meat, smoked foods, balsamic, rich cheese, and dark chocolate. That's pretty much the beer. only things that I eat. Anna took a sip of it and she's like, "This tastes like dark chocolate. <laughs> I don't even need any chocolate for it." She doesn't like it. Oh, wah, wah. I think it's pretty great. It's not as good as that peanut butter stout, but mm, it's pretty good. <laughs> so today's catchphrase comes from uh, the movie Boiler Room, which actually I like that movie. It's I, got Vin Diesel in, doesn't it? Uh, Vin Diesel D- does it have him in it? I think he's in it. May- maybe. Yeah, Boiler Room's a good movie. I, I love it's that. Also movie. got Ben Affleck in it, but I'm pretty sure Vin Diesel's in it. Mm. Let me look real quick. But I guess my my thing is, like, are there any in- movies that don't have Ben Affleck in it? Uh yes, probably Star Wars. Yep, True. Ben Affleck, Vin Diesel, Giovanni Ribisi. It was a pretty good movie. Mm. It's like uh, I don't know. I put it up there with. Well, I don't know if I put it up there with Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but it's like in that vein, and it's good. So today we have our friend Adam Carroll back on the show. Adam, how, this is like your fifth time now. I don't know. I, I feel like it's time four. for you to just become a co-host. <laughs> I think I was on the show fewer times before I became a co-host. So <laughs> eventually, you're just going to take my job. I'd be a visiting co-host. <laughs> Next time Thomas goes on vacation, you can invite me in, Andrew. I'll, there I'll we record go. with you. Deal. Calling in senior correspondent Adam Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your new title. I love that idea. It's actually not a bad idea. Senior correspondent Adam Carroll. Yeah, and today we're talking about home equity lines of credit, specifically um, an interesting strategy you're using yours for. But before we talk about that, I want to know what is a home equity line of credit and how do you get one? Because I don't own a home, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
It does. So let's start. Let's start here, Thomas. In order to have a home equity line of credit, you do first have to have a home attached to it. <laughs> now, now I will tell you this: if you don't have a home, but you would like to use this strategy, you can go find uh, a bank or a credit union that will give you a personal line of credit. What's called a PLOC. Okay. So HELOC is home equity. A PLOC is a personal line of credit, and they basically do the same thing. The gist of them. Uh, are they are an open-ended uh, line of credit. Open-ended meaning there is no set term for the, for the loan itself, whereas a mortgage would be a closed-ended line of credit or a closed-ended loan. Because there's so, a 30-year term or whatever. Exactly, because it lasts 120 months or you know 300 months, 360 months, whatever it may be. So, so interest so rate HELOC, being aside, though, they, are they like credit card-esque in that like you kind of just use it when you need it, Pay it down and just like leave it there if you don't need it. Yeah, exactly, Andrew. And and the gist of them are when you pay into them, they're all simple interest. So it's not compounded on a monthly basis or anything like that. It's whatever the da- average daily balance is is what the interest is is factored on. Huh. So they're okay, very can you flexible. Explain that to me. So, <clears throat> so it's not like credit card interest. Well, so credit be- card you also only pay on your balance. Um, I guess because the mortgage is amortized so you, like your first month is like almost all interest exactly okay gotcha exactly yep and then okay. uh, exactly. yeah now is the uh is there like a limit on your heloc based on the value of your mortgage or based on your credit or something like that generally speaking they're going to limit how much of a heloc you can have okay. and it will be limited up to about it depends on the institution but usually about 90 percent loan to value so most banks today are not lending over and above 90% loan to value unless someone's buying a home with a, an FHA loan where they're putting 3.5% down. Mm. Okay. And then you know they're loaning up to 96.5%. Well, you'd have to almost pay the balance down below 90 before you could get a HELOC on that property mm. or have your home reappraised and get a higher appraised amount. And okay. then you know that would also force the loan to value amount down. So loan to value means if my house is worth $100,000, they will only loan me 90,000. You got it. Okay. Yeah. So So you have your house, you just go to a bank and you say I want to open a HELOC on my house pretty much. Exactly. And then like as soon as they approve it, you could feasibly take out $90,000 to do something with. If you had so in in that example, if you had a $100,000 home, <clears throat> and you had, let's say, an $80,000 first mortgage. So you'd put 20% down when you bought the home. Right. You could go get a home equity line of credit for $10,000. So that would take you up to that $90,000 mark. Does that make sense? Um, okay. So basically, it's loan to value minus what your mortgage still is. Exactly. So it's whatever you've paid off already. Exactly, yes. Okay, so yes. you can't get debt based on debt. No, 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 no. You're actually <laughs> yeah, I thought this was America. <laughs> Why can't I get debt on my debt, damn it? <laughs> I can use my debt as collateral. Yeah, exactly. I can't pay this loan. I'll give you this loan as collateral. <laughs> God, that sounds like Federal Reserve logic. What is that? I don't understand. The bookies come and take my debt away. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that's the student loan funding model right there. <laughs> so, the, the, yeah, the deal is that you're borrowing money from a HELOC, but it is the equity that is trapped in your home. That's kind of okay. what you're releasing for that. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. I have heard many a financial expert in like the 10 minutes I spent Googling this topic before we got on the air say, don't use your HELOC. 
on anything other than your home. Yeah. Or some of them just say, don't use a HELOC at all. So yep. what are what are like the terrible things people are doing with HELOCs that have risen or raised the ire of all these gurus? Well, it's funny because I, I did a little bit of research as well before our show and I've, I've studied this topic for five years. Um, we've been using the, the system that I'm going to talk about today for a little over three, maybe three and a half, okay. actually three years and two months, I think, to be exact. Um, <clears throat> so I know quite a bit about it, but when I did the research, the issue that people have, like, you know, Dave Ramsey is a huge opponent of this. He is not in, fa- in favor of using a HELOC. The challenge is that for most of the people that listen to his show, they're deeply in debt anyway. So using a HELOC in a negative way would be, I'm going to go buy a boat or a car, or I'm going to, um, you know, take a vacation with my HELOC. Mm. And I'll tell you that some people do that. Some people will borrow money out of the equity in their home, and they'll use it for personal experience, right? Um, they just do that because it's lower interest rate than a credit card. So they think like, oh, this is better than putting my vacation on my credit card. Yeah, it's lower interest than a credit card. You can write off the, the mortgage interest that's charged on a HELOC most times. Really? Okay. Um, you can. It, the, I think the IR was raised, though, in answer to your question, Thomas, in, you know, in 2005, 6, 7, when in California we had uh, really on the coast, on both coasts, we had property appreciation go through the roof. People were trying to access what equity they had in their homes. So some of them would refinance or get their home reappraised every two or three months because you know some of oh. them were experiencing ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar increases in their property value, and and we're seeing that even in in you know Silicon Valley and parts of Seattle and Portland. Um, you'll see a lot of signs now where people are saying no Californians allowed. Like they don't want Californians <laughs> to make. They offers just think Californians them. are going to do this. Like, just, well, if you're from California, you automatically take advantage of HELOCs. Now, it's not so much about taking advantage of HELOCs. It's more about they're going to artificially inflate the price of homes and the cost of homes. Mm. And then once they do that, how would then they, they do start- that? How, well, how would how would people artificially inflate the cost of homes well, that high, are high demand? And if you have Facebook, you know, money, you come in and you just make okay. crazy offers, and it kind of pushes yep. the the normal people. So who you just mean out. like really rich people from California coming up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you just meant like if you're from this state, <laughs> <laughs> all Californians are bad. No, if you're from it, like but... Fresno and you live in a shack, don't move here. <laughs> no, they're they're really they're they're trying to keep. I think what they're trying to do is keep their properties from inflating. Okay, you know, way too aggressively. Mm. Um, and and it may that, just like, be that some the of the local opportunity act. Yeah, it's more about some of the folks that are there. The locals would get priced out of the market. It's the exact okay. same thing that in Silicon Valley, it's nearly impossible for you know someone just going out there to work mm. to find an affordable place to live. They're all living an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah, so. Anyway, we kind of got off topic, but the the idea is that any equity that you have in your home, you can access it with that HELOC. Okay. So, so I and I want to start out by telling you guys this because this is really what got me started on this process. Um, I read a quote by Albert Einstein speaking of interest, and he said that those who understand it earn it, and those who don't understand it are doomed to pay it. Mm. And I, and I combined that little nugget with another piece of information that someone told me once, which was the two greatest expenses we have in life are taxes and the interest expense on debt. Mm. And so I thought, well, if I can do my utmost to minimize taxes and do my utmost to minimize the interest expense on debt, then you probably, 
you know, can do quite a bit with the money you're making. Yeah. Cool. So what is your strategy for using a HELOC then? So the strategy is that um, the HELOC itself is used almost like a checking account. And so the income that I make, uh, you know, my wife gets paid once a month. I pay myself every two weeks. That money, all that income goes into the HELOC. And the HELOC then functions as a checking account. So I pay everything else out of that HELOC. I pay all of my groceries. I pay for gas. I pay for kids stuff. Everything's paid out of that HELOC. And anything over and above what is paid that's left over in that HELOC will then get sent to the mortgage. So what I'm doing is I'm sending massive amounts of payments to the mortgage every single month um, through that HELOC. So, uh, okay, so I'm a little confused on the logistics of how this works. So let's use the $100,000 home example. Perfect. Um, So we have the $80,000 loan, right? We just bought the house. We put $20,000 down. So we have an $80,000 loan and you could get a HELOC of up to $10,000. So what would you do first? You'd, you'd get the HELOC and withdraw all of it? Well, there's, there's some different schools of thought with that, Andrew. You can, uh, theoretically, you could withdraw all of it and put it on your mortgage right away. Um, the key for it working is that you're making more money every month than you're spending. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So in this example, if you make, let's say, $5,000 a month, uh, net after taxes. Right. That's coming coming in your account every month, and your expenses every month are four thousand. So you have a thousand dollars extra. And this if is a thousand dollars extra over your mortgage payment. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're making your mortgage payment, and that's another thousand dollars extra. So it would be considered disposable income. Every two weeks, you'd have an extra five hundred dollars. Mm. That extra thousand would keep going into that home equity line of credit until it was paid down or paid off. So using your example, when you move in and you take that 10 grand and you put it right on your mortgage, now you have a $10,000 balance hovering on your mortgage or on your, on your home equity line. Your income every month going into that HELOC is going to bring it down month over month over month. And it, Logic would tell you it'll take ten months to pay it all, pay it down, mm-hmm. but it's it's actually going to be paid down in about seven, which I'll explain here in a minute. Okay. Um, the interest that's charged on that, let's say the interest rate on a HELOC right now is five percent, which is pretty pretty normal. Mm-hmm. If you borrowed ten thousand dollars, five percent on ten grand is five hundred dollars. Right. Right. You divide that by twelve months. That means you'd pay around forty. Forty-one thirty-three, I think, is the math. Um, is that right? Well, whatever. It's close to forty dollars a month in interest. Mm-hmm. But what happens is every month that you put your paycheck in that HELOC, you're not paying forty dollars in interest. You're paying a little bit less than that every single month. It might be forty the first month, and then it's thirty-six, and then it's thirty, and then it's twenty-seven, and then it's because you're slowly and- paying it down with that extra thousand. Exactly. Okay. So over the course of seven eight months. And let's, for simplicity's sake, let's say it's ten. If that ten thousand dollars you took out of that HELOC and dropped on your mortgage took you ten months to pay off, and on average it was thirty dollars a month in interest, then you paid three hundred dollars in interest on that ten grand. You guys still follow? Yeah. Okay. But so you paid three percent interest total, right? Because because you're paying it down slowly, so it winds up being less than five across. Okay. Yep. And but what you're saving 
is $10,000 on that $80,000 mortgage now drops your mortgage balance down to $70,000. And the interest that you're paying on that $70,000 is substantially less than what you're paying on $80,000. And it's not just the interest over 10 months, it's the interest over 30 years because that's how long that mortgage was. So even though every dollar you're putting into the HELOC, some of that is going to interest it's less than you would be paying if you were paying your mortgage down at the, the initial rate, like the normal rate? Exactly. Okay. And here's, here's why, Thomas. This is a key banking principle, and this is something that every one of your listeners needs to understand. The way that we bank and borrow in this country is what keeps peop- most people where they're at financially. You know, it's what mm-hmm. keeps the middle class down because the way we bank and borrow. When we borrow from the bank a 30-year fixed mortgage, you know, and let's take this $100,000 home example. Um, if you were to send in a payment, uh, and I'm trying to think of what the actual payment would be on that. Let's say it's just for shits and giggles. Let's say it's $700 a month, okay. right? That would be the payment. Of that $700, do you guys have any idea how much of your payment goes to principal versus interest? I would guess if you're at the beginning of a mortgage, not very much. Right. Not very much at all goes to principal. Actually, on that note, I'm guessing there's probably people who might not understand this. Can we explain what the amortization is? Like what that means? Yep. So an amortization schedule is if you borrowed $100,000 on a 30-year mortgage, Mm -hmm. the amortization schedule looks like this cascading waterfall on an L L graph. Right. And the cascading waterfall starts at year th- year zero and goes all the way to year 30. And year 30 is where you've paid off your mortgage entirely. Okay. Every single month that goes by, you're making a payment. And some of the payment goes to interest. And actually, most of the payment goes to interest. And a little tiny bit goes to principal. Okay. So, so as an ex- I, I just ran the numbers real quick just to kind of yeah. beef up the example. So if you had a mortgage of 80000 over 30 years, and your interest rate was 3.5%, which is pretty damn good for today when we're recording, you would pay uh, just shy of $50,000 in interest on that $80,000. And I guess the big confusion is that your interest rate is 3.5%, but the total amount you pay in interest is like the obscene number number because it like uh, is amortized, so it like compounds daily. Right. Okay. And here's what happens in a mortgage when it's paid off. You don't make, if you've ever bought a home, you get to live in that home basically, quote unquote, rent free or payment free for 30 days. And the reason for that is the interest is charged in arrears. So you live in a home for 30 days, then they charge you interest for the balance on your mortgage for those 30 days, right? Mm. So your payment that you make every month is going to pay the interest on that debt for the last 30 days. Okay. Anything over and above that takes care of a little tiny bit of principal. But what huh. you'll find, do you, do you have an amortization table pulled up, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, what, what, and we're using the $100,000 example, right? Yeah, I'm just using yep. the, uh, the bank rate mortgage calculator, which, which we'll link to in the show notes. Yeah. So if you look at that and you actually look at the amortization table, if you can pull that up, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. what you'll see is it'll split it out between here's your payment, here, this is what goes to principal. This is what goes to interest. So, yeah. To put like so numbers you, to it. So the monthly payment would be $359.24 total in month one and $233.33 of that goes to interest. So of the almost 360 you pay, only 125 goes to principal. 
What are you using for a uh, mortgage amount, Andrew? Uh, eighty thousand dollars. Uh, oh, you're using eighty thousand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just plugged in a hundred thousand because I forgot about the down payment. Yeah. So now that doesn't. You know, someone might listen to that and go, "Okay, well, a third of my payment goes to interest or goes to principal. Mm-hmm. Two thirds goes to interest." Um, but if you do a much bigger example, you go up to a three hundred thousand dollar home or a five hundred thousand dollar home. Now we're talking about some significant differences in how much actually goes to principal versus interest. Three and a half percent obviously is low, but if you took a four or a five or a six percent, which could be where we go when the when the Fed start like to move interest rates by the end of December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We could so be, if we do that, you pay. You would pay six hundred and forty-eight dollars in principal and fifteen hundred in interest that first month. Yeah, on a five hundred thousand dollar home. So, so then look at the next month, Thomas, and and give the numbers about what the principal and interest payment. Would or be. actually, let me redo it because I want to put four thousand four hundred thousand as a mortgage amount mm. based on the eighty percent. Okay, so the first month five hundred seventy-six in principal, thirteen hundred thirty-three in interest. Next month. 578 principal, 1331. So not a huge difference. How, what is the difference? $2? $2, yeah. $2. So what happens is that payment that you made, what was it? $300 was the principal? 576 was principal. Five, 576 was the principal. But when you sent 576 to principal, it changed the payment by $2 a month. Mm. So the next month you'll send 578 or 580 or whatever it is. And it'll change the payment by another 2 or $3. So this is how, when you look at an amortization schedule and the majority of your payments going to interest, not to principal, on a 30-year fixed mortgage, it's not until year 19 that more of your payment goes to principal than it mm. does to interest. That's yeah. insane. And this is the power of the HELOC because what the HELOC does is it prepays a huge chunk of principal thereby offsetting the interest that you're paying, not just in the short term, but over the length of the loan itself. Okay. So would would you say this is kind of similar to a refinance in that you're playing like this interest game, like an interest rate game? Very loosely Mm -hmm. the same, Andrew. It's, It's not exactly the same because if you were to refinance your home, let's say someone said, okay, I get it. I'll just do a 15 year fixed mortgage. Mm. I'm just going to change my payment to 15 years, 15 years. I'll go refinance it with my mortgage broker. Number one, you're going to get charged two, two to 5%. I think 2% is kind of the, the uh, typical fee that you're going to get charged on a refinance. So if you're in a $400,000 mortgage, you're getting another eight grand tacked onto your mortgage right away. Just when you go refinance. honor of refinancing. Exactly. Mm. Whereas that HELOC has a couple advantages. Number one, it's open-ended. So because it's open-ended, the money can go in as payments, but it can also come back out again if you want to access that money to make an investment, to pay down your debt, to you know, do whatever you need to do. So the HELOC has many advantages, one of which being it's open-ended. So the, the best way to, to describe that is it's a two-way street. Whereas a mortgage, a typical mortgage, is a one-way street. You pay in, but you can't pull it out again. Okay. Whereas a HELOC is a two-way street. You can pay in, and you can also pull out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. So let me, let me take one step back here and tell you why I think it's important that people understand how to use this, this procedure. Um, number one, I think that every single person in our society 
should have the ability to retire with dignity. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think that my generation and your generation uh, should not plan on having social security by the time we, we get there. Or if we do, yeah. it's going to be, we'll be 75 before we can access it. Right. Right. I literally don't think about it. Right. Like, and I think that's, that's like, like it's a, a thing that gets taken out of my check and it will never come back to me. I heard an amazing speaker who said, we're called the entitlement generation. He said, I'm paying in every single month to social security and I don't expect it to be there when I get to that age. Do you call that entitled? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so I think that we should all be able to retire with dignity. And I think that social security won't be around when we get there. So knowing that most people, when they retire, one of their greatest expenses is where they live. Hmm. My thought was, how do I virtually eliminate my housing cost and make the most use of my money while I'm doing it? And I found this system. And you know, very candidly, I'll share this with you guys and your listeners. We started out with a $250,000 mortgage. Our house, we had put 20% down. Um, so our house now is probably worth three fifty to three seventy, um, but we owe below one hundred, like significantly below one hundred in three and a half years, three years. We Dang. started, we started in October of twenty twelve, doing this process. And have you ran the numbers on how much you would owe had you just done the regular mortgage payments? Well, our our interest savings to date is one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Holy shit! Oh my gosh! And that's only in three years. You were able to shave that's that in off. Three years. Yep. Holy crap. So to, to get this, uh, what was the, like the numbers for the HELOC that you guys ran? Well, here's the amazing part. Our HELOC, what we started with was a $5,000 HELOC. Dang. And what we did was we would borrow up, you know, we'd borrow five grand on the HELOC. We'd pay okay. it towards the mortgage. Our paychecks would go into that HELOC, pay it down over the month, and then we'd borrow against it again. So there were some months where we might send in you know, 5,000 at the beginning of the month and then 2,800 towards the end of the month. And then the next month within the first two weeks, we'd send another 2,600. And so we just kept, we kept, you know, paying in, but it never felt like we were out of money because you you always have access to that money in the HELOC. It's almost, it's like a checking account. Yeah. Cause you're like, okay, I have that much credit available basically. Right. So when you, is it like the moment you pay it down to zero, you then again borrow another $5,000 or whatever the limit is? Exactly. Or is it like a certain, okay, so it's does, not like a certain, like every year you do it. It's like what, the moment it hits zero, borrow another 5000 throw it into the mortgage, re- rinse and repeat kind of thing. Yep. And okay. there, you know, there's, there's some pretty complex algorithms behind how much you send and when, if you really want to get into that technicality stuff. Okay. Um, I used a piece of software that helped, helped tell me when to do it. Mm. Um, but you could pretty much once, once you get in the habit of doing it, you know what the routine is going to be. Okay. Um, the software merely figured out mathematically how you would pay the least amount in interest possible. Gotcha. So, so do you have like calendar dates with amounts to send in basically planned out for the next however long? Yeah. It would tell you exactly when to send how much and okay. what was due and, and, um, and it was fluid. You know, we had to change it based on how much we spent on our credit card that month right. for, you know, like this, this month, we might do a ton of Christmas shopping this month. So the credit card amount would be a little bit higher, but mm. we would just pay the credit card completely off with that HELOC and then our income okay. goes into the HELOC and pays that down. Okay. So, so, so with you HELOCs, still do maintain a credit um, card on the side. So you're not putting all spending on your HELOC. No. we. In fact, <clears throat> what, the way we use our credit card 
is we started using it for miles and cash back. Mm -hmm. So literally everything that we bought that we could put on credit card, we put on credit card. Mm -hmm. And then, and and that was more for simplicity's sake than anything else. Um, You know, when you can automate every payment that you have to go to your credit card, and then you automate an online transfer of the money from the HELOC to pay off your credit card every month. Yeah. It, it, it all becomes very, so you, you know, can very use your HELOC almost like a checking account in that you could have it auto pay down your cards. Yes. Really? Oh, yep. okay. Okay. So another question for you. Um, I, I have really been challenged or I've had difficulty kind of understanding the, the order of operations, how it flows. So you do it where you pull lump sum out, pay it down for, you said, like seven months, get yep. it to zero, and then you pull back out, and you just, that's your process? Yep. And it looks like, it looks like a sine wave. You know, if you, if you were to look at the mortgage balance, if it were graphed out, mm. <clears throat> it looks like a sine wave. It goes up when you borrow against it, and then it goes down when you put your income in. Then it goes up, and then it goes down. And over the course of a month or six months' time, um, and let's take a year's time, we got a 1098, an interest, you know, mortgage interest form at the end of the year last year on our home equity line of credit. And I think altogether, we spent $78 or $83 in interest on that home equity line of credit. That's it. Dang. Because, the reason because is you got the deduction. Because you got the deduction and because you're cycling in your income. So the, the amount that you've borrowed is really only there for like maybe 10 days. And then you pay it down and it's really low. And then you borrow against it and it's there for five, six, seven, 10 days. And then you pay it down again. And, um, and, and because you're paying it simple interest on the average daily balance, it's very, very small. Whereas on a mortgage, you have this gigantic amount and it's spread out over 30 years and they front load all the interest, it's not that way with the HELOC. So when you uh. take out, say, this like 5K or however much you're able to take out from your HELOC, does that add a monthly payment to... So this is a great question. Mm. You would think it would add a monthly payment to your budget, right? Because like, like now a credit you, card, like you have to pay yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But in reality, when you, when you deposit your income into that home equity line, that acts like a payment. So essentially, there is no payment on the HELOC every single month. So you might put oh, in... Oh, because the payment, quote-unquote, is the deposit, quote-unquote. Exactly. So like In your head, it doesn't feel like a payment because you're just like, that's where I stash my money. Exactly. So, and the, the so bank, it's just like flipping your mindset. It's not a line of credit. It's where my money is. Exactly. Wait, wait Adam, okay. so if you put in, say, 2600 you know, say that, or you say you got 3000 for the month, right? You put it into your HELOC. Yep. And if you pull that three thousand back out in the month, you don't owe any payment because you've already paid three thousand. Exactly. Mm. Huh. That's exactly very interesting. Now let me tell you how this works, and I'm going to give you an example on like if you were to take my my particular situation. So I ran the numbers, and we would. Uh, I'm going to give you an example on a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage for simplicity's sake here. If you took five grand, that $5,000 HELOC right away, and you put that on that $200,000 mortgage, so now your mortgage balance is $195,000. Mm-hmm. If you looked at an amortization table, you know, having never done anything else but taking that first initial $5,000 and putting it down on your mortgage, mm-hmm. it would slash 23 months off of the total length of the mortgage Holy itself. shit. 
So imagine wow. having almost two years of no mortgage payments because of that first 5000 you put against your principal. Now, here it gets better. What it saves you is over $28,000 and change in interest over 30 years. So every, Holy crap. So, okay, so one $5,000 payment on a $200,000 mm-hmm. mortgage will basically, it's, it's like an investment that will net you fivefold over yes. 30 years. Okay. Yes. So now take, take, take out the five grand you put in, you still save 23000 mm. You know what I mean? Wow. Are there any factors that should bar us from saying, if you own a house, you need to do this. Otherwise, you're throwing money away. Like, what is, are there any caveats or like common pitfalls or what, like, what is causing people not to talk about this already? There, there are two big keys to this being successful. And I appreciate the question because I don't want to. I don't want to come across as being really flippant that, oh, everybody should do this. This is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. But it's amazing because if you have the discipline to do it, and that's a key thing, you've got to be disciplined in you know, setting a budget and sticking to the budget, which mm-hmm. I know you guys are. Um, and secondly, uh, you have to spend less than you earn. So if, okay. if, you, know, if, if you have $5,000 in expenses and $4,000 in income, this will never work for you. <laughs> If you have more month at the end of your money, you're screwed. All right, that's basically what I'm saying. Well, I mean, thank you. you have more money in that case anyway. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but if you have more money at the end of the month, and you're wondering what to do with it, this is a prime thing to do with it. And here, let me give you an example. And this is, I think, what most people don't get in okay. our society today. We are not taught how to use this strategy. What we're taught is when I get paid, my money goes where to the credit card or to the oh. Mortgage. Where does Actually, it that brings up a you, really good question. Wait, 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 wait. I want to hear, wait, wait, finish that. So where do you deposit it? Uh, in where, my where account. You, checking account. Checking account. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you pay out of your checking account? Credit All card and mortgage. Right. So your credit card, your mortgage, your car payment, your cell phone, your student loans, all yep. that stuff. So we're, we're directed. We put our money into checking and then we pay everything else out of checking. If by chance there's money left over in that checking account, where does it go? And in an investment or a an savings investment. account or something. Ideally, right? Well, Ideally, it would go, it would go into an investment. It would go into savings. The way I do it is I do the investment first, but and that's realistically that's how everyone should do it, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, this system does not change that either. You can still put all the money in investment that you want, and it still uses it. That's that my big money, question. If you're that, if you're routing money through this HELOC, are you sacrificing any amount that could go to an investment and make you more? Or not. not necessarily. Okay. Well, dude, if and it's I'll fivefold, about- so I want to hear what Adam says. But if it's fivefold mm-hmm. in just the first, pay, that's pretty that's tough true. to compete with. Yeah. So here's here's what we're not taught though. We're not taught how to manage our money so that our income has the highest level of efficiency possible. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about for most people is they just have they have income inefficiency. The the income that they're making goes into their checking. It goes out to all these different things. It sits in a checking account making 0.1% if they're lucky. And if they have the wherewithal to send it to savings and they keep any amount of money in savings, and I'm, I, you know, I'm a supporter of having an emergency fund, but just having money sitting in a savings account while you have a huge mortgage that you're struggling to, you know, to, to meet, it doesn't make any sense. 
So what we need to do is we have to rewire how we think about how we manage our money. The mm-hmm. income that you get that you bring in every month should have impact. And the impact that it has is it should cancel interest. It should make interest or dividends, right? Those are investments. It should pay your expenses and ultimately it should build wealth. But for most people, what it does is it doesn't cancel interest. It doesn't build wealth. It doesn't make interest. It just pays expenses. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so what this leads to in our society today, and this goes back to my whole idea about, I think people should be able to retire with dignity. Eight out of 10 people reportedly um, identify money as a significant source of stress in their life. So don't, don't we, doesn't it make sense that we look at how we're banking and borrowing money and how we manage the money that's coming in and go, well, this obviously isn't working <laughs> if we're stressed about how the money's being handled. Okay. Yeah. I, I really like the approach of it landing in a HELOC or something that offsets interest makes a ton of sense. And I'm trying to think of like the doomsday scenarios of like why this will fail for me. Or something. Yes. And I guess one concern would be, um, is there, so if you say took margin off of a stock, right? There's this concept of a margin call where the stock's yes. price drops and you kind of like owe money immediately and that screws right. everybody. Is there a similar concept with a HELOC where if my home is $100,000, we're at the peak of the market and then next year it tanks and then I, I owe like my HELOC tomorrow. Like, is that, is that a thing? So I think there have been points in time where HELOCs were called due, but I don't think that, that they can call a mortgage like they did in the 20s and 30s, where it's like, okay, this is due and payable right now, you have to pay it. Mm. Most of the time, if you have a HELOC, and, and let's say the shit hits the fan in our economy, um, and, and I would you know knock on wood and call that a hypothetical, but I think we all probably know it's going to happen at some point. Um, I think what will happen is the, the institutions that have given the, the line of credit will freeze them. They'll say, you can't pull any more out. We're only taking payments. Now you can't draw anything against it. Right, right. Okay. And if, and if that does happen, here's the worst case scenario. You make those payments, you, you halt the system, and you go back to the way you did it before, which was you put money in checking and you, you know, and funnel up the way you did. you've already saved money on your balance of your mortgage, not- which you would have kept regardless. Exactly. And you've saved a massive amount on your mortgage. Because here's the deal. If you buy a, ho- a home, and this goes back to your question, Thomas, about who shouldn't do this. Yeah. If you're going to buy a home and you're like, eh, I might live in it for a year or two, you're actually better off using this process. Because when you go to sell your home, you'll actually get a check at closing. Mm-hmm. Versus most mm-hmm. people that buy a home and they make their payment for two years and then they're like, eh, I got this cool job offer. I'm going to go move somewhere else. They put their house on the market and by the time they pay realtor fees and appraisal and closing costs and all that stuff, they owe money at the closing table. So they actually have like, less equity than they started. Yeah, exactly. Because so little of your payment goes to principal the first two years, right? First, held ten years. So if you use this system and you and you only did it once or twice, you're still better off than having never done it. Hmm. Right. If you okay. do one or two deposits into the principal, you've already shaved, like in my two hundred thousand dollar example, five grand shaved twenty eight thousand dollars in interest off. Yeah. And and what it does is it accelerates that uh, amortization schedule. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So now you're not at year one or year two. You just put five grand in. Now it like fast forwarded, you should be on year five. You yeah. follow? Yeah. So I'm like I'm like digesting this because so um, one of the things that like uh, I, I like to do just in my life is kind of optimize for this month. I want to keep costs low, so I have flexibility yes. and whatever. So um, initially overpaying a mortgage seems unattractive because fine, it will reduce the term, but my payments remain the same. Um, but I guess you could always just refinance down the line if you needed to. If you wanted to lower your payments. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And this brings up a good point, Andrew. I'm glad you brought it up. There's, there's three, and I got this from a guy named Bill Westrom who works for a company called Truth and Equity. Um, Bill said the three keys to this working is you want to be lean, liquid, and independent. And here's what that means. Lean means how do you keep your monthly payments as low as possible on everything, Mm. right? And the reason for that is when you keep your monthly payments low, more of your income can go to blast away debt. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're more efficient with your income when your payments are low. Liquid means that you can access the money at any time. So in a HELOC, it's liquid right now because it's treated like a checking account. You can put money in and you can take money out. And independent means you don't have to get approval to do it. So I don't need to go to, to the credit union where my HELOC lives and ask them if I can take money out. I simply go online and I can do it on my phone and I can transfer money from my HELOC to my checking account or HELOC to my, you know, to the credit card payment or whatever. So Lean is small payments. Liquid is it's accessible and independent means you don't have to ask anyone's permission. So in your in your case, Andrew, if you wanted to uh, refinance at some point down the road, you could. Five years into your mortgage acceleration, if you said, "Hey, you know, we now have uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in equity in this house," and in fact, this is sort of what happened with with my place is we got to a point where we had more in equity than we did in debt against it. Mm. So I increased my home equity line and I simply wrote a check from the home equity line to my mortgage and paid off oh, shit. the mortgage so, entirely. So now you have no amortization and you're on simple interest of like whatever, 5% or something. Yeah, 4.5%. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And so the, the real APR, because of the way we're paying it off, if you were to calculate it all out, by the time all is said and done, our effective APR will end up being like 0.7% on our mortgage. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So, so that, sorry, go ahead. So then the, the key, and this is sort of what, what you know, the naysayers will tell me, is, well, now you have equity locked in your home, and there's no internal rate of return. Because my home's going to appreciate 3% or 5% or whatever it does, no matter how much I owe on it. So for us, the reason we did it was I now have a big chunk of money in a HELOC that I can, if I want to go buy a rental property, I just go write a check out of our home equity line for a rental property. And that property now cash flows and all that cash flow comes in to the HELOC, right, as a checking account. And before you know it, you begin banking on yourself. So you're banking on the equity in your home to invest. I mean, I could if the stock market tanks, I'm going to probably take 20 grand out of my home equity line and go buy 
S&P 500 index or Dow Jones or some stock that crashes. So what, what kind of interest rates are you getting with this? Because I looked at Lending Club for me, and I think if I took like about a 10,000 loan out, um, and I have like, I think my credit's like 792, it's like pretty mm-hmm. good, and I would pay like a little over 6.5%. Okay. Um, and, and that's also amortized. I th- and I feel like that's probably the best loan that I can get quickly. Uh, so what what is the setup with the HELOC? Um, so a HELOC is generally a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. And they're, like right now, if you were to go to a credit union in your local area, uh, you could probably get a home equity line for as low as 1.95% for the next 12 months. Um, it might go up as high as 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm at four and a half maybe on mine. It started out really low and then went up. But in all honesty, because of the way you use it, it doesn't matter. So, because so the interest rate be- does float. It, well, it's fixed on mine. It's fixed for, I think, a period of three years, and then it's variable after that. Mm. But um, you know, we're three years in. We'll come up to that. Maybe it's four years. We'll come up to that point here in the next 12 months. And then we will either just renew and do another fixed rate home equity line for 48 months. Mm. Or the, the idea is that by that point, we're done. So we, we, it doesn't really matter if, if we have it or use it. Um, we'll always have one because it, it will end up becoming our, basically the way that we bank, you know, the way that we borrow money. If we want to buy a car, we do it against the home equity line and we pay it off in you know, a matter of months. Okay. Big question here. Yes. Probably doesn't apply to you but it might apply to a lot of people in the audience. You are maxing out your HELOC to pay down your mortgage faster. Yes. What is the better option if I have student loans at 6%, car loan 5 or 6%, some other debt? Should I use the HELOC? Should I max the HELOC using the same responsible methods you're using to pay off that debt first? Or does it mathematically make sense to still do it on your mortgage first? That is a very good question, and yeah, there's probably whoa, some genius question. statistician that can tell you exactly what the numbers are. Um, my general rule of thumb on that, Thomas, is, again, following the lean, liquid, and independent guideline. Mm-hmm. If you've got a car payment and you know that you owe, let's just throw a number out, $8,000 on your car, but the payment's $300 a month, 350 a month. If you know that using the system, you can blast away your car debt in 12 months, 15 months, I would recommend doing that because you're going to free up $350 a month in cash flow. Mm. That you could then that put sense? back into your mortgage or something. That you then, okay. put, yeah, you then put back into paying everything down. So I would so, look... Well, that might not be mathematically the best way to do it. You're just saying like get one of those debts off the table so you like feel more lean and independent? Well, I guess you'd be able to accelerate your mortgage faster because if you pay down only your mortgage, not your student loans, your payment won't change. So you'll exactly. only be able to mm-hmm. accelerate at X speed. But if you got rid of your student loan... But you're loan, shaving years off your... Right, you're mortgage. shaving years. But if you got rid of your student loan and or car, you would actually free up additional cash in a month to funnel back into the strategy. So. Okay. I mean, we'd have to run the numbers, but yeah, it sounds like it's more like efficient. some sort of tool to say like, okay, your mortgage is this much percent, this many years, amortization schedules, this, this debt's over here, which would be better to, to funnel money into if you're going to max your HELOC out anyway. Yep. And I'm looking at this article here and it's like his main principle is like, use your HELOC 
because then the temptation to use it on stupid things is gone. Right. But I'm just like wondering, like, what's the mathematically most efficient thing to use it on if you have other debt? I would well, imagine for- if you have like credit card debt, that's immediately the first thing you should pay off with it is. stuff. <clears throat> it is. And, and, um, and again, but that goes back to changing some of your behaviors and habits too. If you have right. it because you haven't been a good steward of money in the first place, um, that so you've got to get rectified first. The so reason I'm saying, like, given given the proposition that like today, whoever you are, you're going to turn turn over a new leaf. You're going to pay off your whatever you spend every month. No longer like gaining credit card debt, but you need to pay off the debts you had in the past. Mm-hmm. Like it would it would definitely be better to pay off credit card debt than this. Absolutely. But then if you're getting down into like the six percent, five percent interest range, at that point we don't really know the mathematical best choice. Is yep. that a good way to sum it up? Okay. Yep. Okay. Maybe well maybe the nerds in the community can uh <laughs> help us out with the math on that. Right. But yeah. So I'm curious, uh, on on like the mortgage piece. So I have my mortgage with Wells Fargo. Um and I know that they've sent me things in the mail for a HELOC, and through my pure laziness, I have not done anything with it. But if they're offering me 4% and you're suggesting some credit unions may offer you amazing rates, which everyone in, in the community and just the audience at large kind of resoundingly says, they just got like ridiculous deals with credit unions. Yeah. Can I do that if my mortgage is through Wells Fargo? Or do I sure. have to, So I could have a HELOC with a completely different company you bet. Huh. Yep. And, and effectively what happens is they become a second lien holder, mm. right? So if, if your home burned down, um, they'll be listed on your insurance policy as second, second in line. So if, if um, you know, again, using the $100,000 home example, you got an 80 grand loan with Wells and a $10,000 loan with a local credit union and the, you know, the, and the insurance company says, okay, well, we'll give you hundred and five or we'll give you you know ninety five thousand dollars for your home eighty goes to wells ten goes to the credit union five goes to you to replace that lovely globe you have sitting behind your shoulder mm. <laughs> I have a lovely globe sitting behind my shoulder too you do look at you guys are globe we're, twins we're so and the pirate ship my globe is bigger though that's true your globe <laughs> is always bigger Thomas it's because I live in Iowa everything gets to be bigger here <laughs> well, the buildings are bigger where you live, but the part of the building you get to live in, not so much. <laughs> okay, so I want to put the shit hits the fan scenario out here. Bring it. So we can we can think about it. Giddy up. Let's say you're married, everything's going hunky-dory, you got a great house, and all of a sudden, the housing market tanks, and the stress of the financial situation causes your significant other who works in a bank to hate you and divorce you. And now you have to leave your house. So you have to sell your house. You don't get as much back as you are on the mortgage. Does your entire HELOC balance come due? Like, do you got to pay everything off? Like, what's the, if you lose your house somehow, is this strategy going to screw you over at all? Well, if you're losing the house and you're not getting what you owed on the house to begin with, yes, you would owe whatever you owe on that. that Does it come due right away? Like right when you sell the house? Well, that's the advantage of doing something with a credit union, right? If you go into a credit union and say, here's the story, this is the extenuating circumstance, they're going to rewrite that loan so it's not attached to your home. Maybe it's a, a signature loan. And, they'll, and then they will probably amortize it over three years or four years. Or That's, that's the advantage that's of doing it. That's something they'll do? You bet. You okay. bet. 
if you have if you have a good relationship with your financial institution, I mean, I I would not tell Andrew to go do that with Wells Fargo because they would probably yeah. not be as kind to him. Please hand over a kidney. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, but you know, if you're with a local bank or a credit union, they're gonna they're gonna bend over backwards to make sure they keep your business. Maybe that's something you should like you. ask before you start doing this, like. Just say I lose my house ten years in the future. Would you be able to rewrite the loan? Just, yeah, and I would be comfortable doing and like asking that question. For what it's worth, I mean, I don't know how big the um, HELOC is, but uh, you could always go to something like Lending Club if you're getting an amortized loan. I think they, right. they cap it like thirty k, and you could always roll that, and then it would be a personal. Okay, loan. so there's ways out of it. Mm. I just. I'm like just racking my brain because it sounds like such a good strategy. I'm just like racking my brain to figure out what. What are people going to bring up to say it's bad, and how like what? How can we address that now? You know, and that was one thing I was thinking about. Like, what happens if you just lose the house somehow? Yeah. Well, I'll give you my can my candid, honest answer to why aren't people doing this, and it is we have we have been sold the idea that the way to buy things is on easy monthly installments, mm. and and if you asked, you know, a hundred people on the street. How do you buy a sofa? How do you buy a TV? How do you buy a car? How do you buy a home? They'd say, well, you go get a loan for it and you pay it off over 24 months or 72 months or 30 years. We've been taught that this is the way to do it. Mm. Dave Ramsey had a comment one time. He said, you know, the one thing that every single one of the people who got their house foreclosed on had in common in 2007 and 2008. Mm. Hmm. Any idea? Um, uh, I'm guessing they all had a car loan. No, or something like they had <laughs> they a all, couch loan. <laughs> they all had a mortgage. They all owed money on their home. Mm. Right? Oh, I figured that. I figured there'd be something like some other connecting factor. Yeah, no, no, I would no, imagine no. if you didn't it. have a mortgage, you couldn't get foreclosed on, right? Exactly. They'd be like, yeah, no way. That was, his, that was his point. That that the people that got foreclosed on had borrowed money against their home, uh, or to uh, borrow money to pay for their home, and eventually could not make those payments. So, in your example, Thomas, ten years in, you probably should have your house paid off because this using this strategy it changes a 30-year fixed mortgage down to on average it's about 12 years some people can get it down as low as seven um, our numbers were four but we have a pretty high amount of disposable income yeah. because our expenses are so low okay. so so you know but but and i'll go back to another comment that jim Rohn, you know the famed book yeah. business philosopher who died about three or four years ago he used to say that even a person with average means or with modest, a modest income can create financial independence by the time they're in their 30s. But it does require a different level of thought about what you do with the money you're making. Yeah. How challenging is it to get a HELOC? I feel like this is, first of all, no one talks about this. And, and on, if you search the internet, there's really not that many results on it. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely not on the strategy. Uh, is is it easy to get? It was super easy for me to get. I went in and, and asked the uh, the gal at the credit union, you know, could you check the value of this and see what I could, you know, what I could access? And she literally went to the assessor's page, pulled up what the assessed value was, pulled up what I owed currently on my first, and she goes, oh, I can write this up to. Um, you know, probably at least 10. I said, I just need five, just put five on there. And, um, and then I went in again, you know, two years later and I said, I think I owe less 
you know, on my home now that like less than half that it's worth. Could you check it? So she goes in and she goes, oh yeah, the appraised value is this. Your mortgage balance is this. We'll just rewrite it for, and you know, and I think I'm at, I don't know, my lo- my loan to value is thirty uh, percent or forty percent or something, all on that HELOC at this point. <laughs> but it was as easy. It was, there was very little underwriting. I went in and asked for it, got it. Super simple. So there's this Sweet. argument that I, I've kind of heard where um, people are like, well, it's great that you have a mortgage because then you have something to deduct on your taxes, right? Right. Um, so why why would you want to roll it over into HELOC or – I mean, it, uh, explain why it's like not beneficial, I guess. Well, I understand the mortgage interest deduction that people have and that they, you know, they, they glom onto and want to hold that tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you, I, again, mathematically, there's, there's reasons and we could have all the, all the money nerds out there run the numbers and tell you. I've had people say, okay, you give, uh, you give me a dollar, I'll give you 70 cents back. Does that sound like a good deal? That's pretty much what we're talking about. Only it's more like 40 cents. 34% of your lifetime income is spent in interest alone on average, 34%. So beat that. So that's, that's where I look at that number and go, yeah, I get that. I would, I would receive some mortgage interest, but I would much rather know that I have access to the equity in my home to go buy rental properties where I can deduct the mortgage interest, my repair, you know, all the repairs that I do to it, depreciate it, all those things then just make sure that I have mortgage interest deduction on my, my primary residence. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what you're doing is you're taking away the bank's ability to compound their returns. So they're compounding their returns on what you owe, and that money will come out of your future earnings at some point. So I would much rather know that the, I mean, my, pay, my, my payment, including all of my escrows, you know, my taxes and insurance and all that stuff, was in the seventeen to eighteen hundred dollar a month range, but with the home equity line, the payments around seven hundred dollars a month, six seventy five, something like that. I don't escrow, but I make that payment, you know, once in March, once in September, and once a year for the insurance. Um, but it's but all the money that I'm making, all that income, is super efficient because it's going into, you know, paying down debt or building wealth. Huh. Awesome. I feel like at some point we need some sort of like list of instructions. If you want to do this, boom, here you go. So some sort of thing. Uh, speaking of which, um, and, and I actually, uh, after this call, like Adam and I have, have a long chat um, to follow, but uh, Adam does have something up. It's called uh, shredmymortgage.com. Oh, really? And okay. it's, it's basically um, a piece of software where you kind of put in your numbers and it'll give you the strategy of what to do. Adam, this is what you've been using to, to run your strategy? Or? It, it is, yep. So exactly. That, that's there. And we were having this talk and I, I got really excited that he's doing the HELOC strategy because seriously I've been trying for almost two years to get someone on to talk to us about this. The, the only downside is it, the interface is a bit thick on Shred My Mortgage. Um, I mean, the numbers are there. Like you could de- it's definitely e- usable. You just have to put some time in. We're maybe going to dramatically improve on that. Hopefully, maybe. Okay. Um, but, but even still, like you can get started today going there. 
and um it'll just give you a plan so like earlier in the episode i wanted to say something to the effect of like adam you should be charging like 500 dollars to tell people this and i'm looking at the pricing page and share my mortgage for lifetime access it's a 495 <laughs> so people are charging 500 dollars. you're pretty much spot on with that aren't you <laughs> Yeah, it, and it save what, what was the example in our argument like twenty eight thousand dollars over life, like on to no five thousand overpayment. Yeah, Somewhere. yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's it seems almost too simple. I mean, really, when you start digging into it, and it took me it, very honestly here, it took about thirty days of messing with the way that the money flowed, and you know, my wife handles the checkbook, and she was getting confused about how things were supposed to go and where it went. But after 30 days, it all smoothed out. And then it was just the way we did it. it. There was no question. It didn't feel like we were scrimping or saving. Money still goes to retirement accounts. Money still goes to kids' college funds. Money goes everywhere it's supposed to go. Okay. But you just you, you manage your money differently. And in managing your money differently, it becomes far more efficient. Yeah. I feel like I need to do that. So, um, and, and I, okay. So, if I were to buy a house uh, tomorrow, and I was yes. so lucky because I closed in a day, um, <laughs> and I put twenty percent down, is there any reason why I would not immediately, like the following day or hour, go and get a HELOC? I could think of no reason why you wouldn't do that. I mean, I think that would make the most sense in the world. And we, we, so we were doing it on the, our home. And then, I, you know, the more that I use it, the more I realize just how powerful it is. So I've got a couple of rental properties. So we transitioned and we started, I, I basically just opened a HELOC on one of my rental properties. And we funnel all the income that that property makes through that same system. And we've shaved a 25-year, because it was a commercial note, but a 25-year mortgage, it'll end up being paid off in about eight, seven or eight altogether, with no more money than, than, than is coming in already with rents. Mm-hmm. But um, it just shaves so much of that interest off that it, it's, it's hyper-efficient. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be just your primary. You can use it on on rental properties or an apartment building or, you know, whatever. Yeah. the more you have, the more disposable income you have, the faster you pay it off. And, and here's the key. And I think this is the big deal. You guys know my proclivity for thinking towards the future. And, and I believe that it takes two generations to create a Rockefeller type fortune. Mm. So I'd like to believe I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm generation number two, unless my parents are hiding something from me. <laughs> um, But I I think I'm generation one and I'm trying to raise generation two. The goal is that once we're done paying it off and we have all this equity available, we put that equity to work for us. So some people will say it's just sitting there. Mm. You got, you know, hundreds of thousands sitting in this house doing nothing. True to an extent. But when the time comes and I'm waiting for the right moment to spring on, you know, distressed properties or get a good deal at an auction or something like that, as soon as that happens, we'll have four or five in place and then we just turn right turn the system right back on again and it knocks it knocks itself out within well even less than it did last time because we'd have more income coming in off those properties but your ability to use that as your own bank becomes amazing it, it flips my whole perspective because that that was what I was really against with overpaying your mortgage is that it's kind of just locked in there so in yep. a pinch you lose your job, whatever, like it's of no real use to you. 
But I guess you know, with a HELOC, you could tap that. Well, and, and realistically, if you knew that, like right now, if you're a value investor, there's not a lot of great value out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of, the, most of the institutional money is sitting on the sidelines because they know that everything's overpriced. So they're waiting for the collapse and then you know, all the big money will move into the market. If you know that, wouldn't you rather make a 3 or 5 or 6% return knowing that you're going to pay off this mortgage and pay less in interest? But every year that you keep doing this, Andrew, you could increase the amount of um, available money on your home equity line so that when the time comes and you know you've got twenty or thirty or fifty thousand dollars available to you, you tap it like that and then buy and at the bottom like and buy at the bottom and now it's liquid and and you turn the system right back on again and just go to town with it. Hmm. That's very interesting. So do you, I guess you use your home as kind of an emergency fund. Yes, although this is one of those things that my wife and I have kind of gone round and round about. She loves having money in the bank mm. and really needs to feel safe and secure by knowing there's an amount there. And I've said it would make more sense to have it you know, going against debt or us investing in something else. She's really comfortable having it there. So yes sort of, we could use it as an emergency fund. Um, but I'll give you a good example. We had to put a new roof on our house this last year. Mm. And to reshingle our roof, it was $12,000 or $13,000. And, you know, years ago, we would have been like, oh, crap, how are we going to do this? Or we had to scrimp and save, or we had to put it on a payment plan. This year, we just said, we'll just tack it on the home equity line. And then we'll just, you know, turn the flywheel on it. And it'll be gone in no time. Hmm. So that's exactly what we did. Awesome. Dude, thank you for explaining this to us. Yeah. So whenever I do this, I feel like I don't know if I explained it and made it clear or if I muddied the waters totally. <laughs> is it this is a this is a process mm. and it is a strategy that not a lot of people use because it takes quite a bit of thought in to to get it. You know, like you have to wrap your mind around what you're doing because we've been taught that what you do with the home is you pay it off over 30 years, you know. And um, so we got to rewire kind of our thinking about how money is used most efficiently. I think the, the biggest challenge I had with grasping this is I, I understood the part where you pull out of the HELOC, you pay it into your mortgage, and then you take all of your income and you put into the HELOC. And I guess then I didn't understand like then how do you ever buy anything? But I didn't realize that it's like a, it's like a floating account. You could have whatever balance you want. There's no monthly payments if you follow this method of putting your income in there and it's kind of provide, provide you room to breathe. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. You think we've explained it as well as we can in audio form? <laughs> <laughs> the voice of reason comes in. Do you hear that? <laughs> All right, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an amazing episode and, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's probably more that's going to be said here. There's probably going to be comments from the community and stuff, and I hope there are. But this sounds like if you have a home, you need to at least look into this strategy. And we'll have more coming in the future. And I'd love to jump into the community. If there are comments or questions, I'll I'll answer as much as I can. Cool. Yeah, we'll get a thread up, actually. We'll just get an episode thread, and if you like, discuss. I've had it. Better than the discuss comments. I will get you in there today, so uh, well before this episode goes live. 
Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, if you've got questions, um, the community thread is open if you're part of the community and we really want you to become part of the community. Really proud of it. So check it out at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. Otherwise, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. We're not abandoning our email, so no. you may still bombard us with emails if you want to. <laughs> we, we, we secretly like it. <laughs> we do secretly like it, yes. But the community is a great resource and check it out if you want to. You can also subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already or Stitcher or... You know what, Andrew? Mm. I don't know if I told you this already. I think I did. Uh, Google Music is a, going to add podcasts sometime soon. Al- already in there. Already so, like quote-unquote approved, I guess. Yeah, I got my podcast approved. I don't think they've launched it yet, mm. but I'm, I'm very excited for the day in the future where... Like iPhones already have podcast app mm. installed and I like pocket casts better, but it's, it's there automatically when you get your iPhone. Right. So I can be like, open the podcast At app, search power for of suggestion, right? Yeah. Search for our podcast. Mm. But, uh, soon every Android phone should have Google play music or whatever it's called. And that's with the other podcasts. 70% of phones. Right. There. So like very soon in the future, every smartphone will have a default podcast app and I won't have to be like, go to the play store and get podcast addict and otherwise podcast pocket cast if you like it better. So that's coming. You can subscribe in whatever player you have now though. <laughs> it's just like the rantings of podcasters. Uh, our favorite resources are always at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And that is it. So thanks so much for listening and sticking with us to the end. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Later guys. Later man. about this show.